Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, believers in good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. It is a cold March day today. It's a good day for cooking. I know a lot of folks who go to the farmer's market, though, in the dead of winter, like like right now, the middle of uh, the winter, the doldrums, and there's only potatoes and maybe a head of cabbage and some sort of dried out looking kale left and some gnarly looking roots. And um, they feel a little bit less inspired. You know, it's not exactly um, the most vivid seen at the farmer's market these days are for local food, for that matter. But um, I have a guest today who finds this uh, cooking seasonally to be a fun, creative challenge, and it's also part of his whole philosophy in cooking. Um, My guest today is not really a household name here in the States, but he is very much a celebrated, um, widely known chef in uh, the UK, just across the pond. It is his first cookbook that just uh, came out last year. It's called Gather. And it is the most, it is just a wonderfully bewitching cookbook uh, I'm holding right now. And I think everyone would be really inspired to try their hand at some of his uh, not very difficult recipes. So without further ado, let's be here from Gil Millers. He is the chef, Gil Miller, sorry, chef, head chef at River Cottage, the TV series, and much more in the UK. How are you, Gil? Are you there? Hi there. Yeah, hey. very well. Thank you. Hi, thanks, Chef. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and I'm glad you could make it here while you're in the, the U.S. for some touring for this book. So congrats, and I hope you're having an okay time here <laughs> in this freezing weather. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a really nice week, actually. I, I came um, last Sunday, and I'm heading off this evening, but I've been in, in New York and, and Boston, and uh, I'm just down in Washington at the moment. Have you been treated to many wonderful meals around the States? Uh, did you get to eat anything particularly fetching lately? Yeah, I had a, uh, an amazing lobster roll in, in Brooklyn, um, which was, was pretty pretty amazing. I had a, a good meal at uh, Mission Chinese in, okay. um, in New York. And, wow. uh, well, funnily enough, you were just mentioning the farmer's markets. I just had a bit of breakfast down at the uh, DuPont uh, Farmer's Market in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that seems, there's a lot going on down there. That's a really nice farmer's market. Really? Uh, lots of beautiful uh, seasonal stuff. On on, uh, on display there, and uh, really busy. Even though it was quite cold, there was a lot of people there. Oh, that's exciting! So I haven't been there, but um, all right. Well, um, you know, this is your first book, Gather, and I love that you you say it's sort of like a double entendre. It's about gathering the ingredients around you, but also gathering around the table. And um, why why did you decide to sort of hinge upon this word for the this cookbook? It seems like a 
uh, you know, it's yeah, it's I an important it's part of your philosophy. Uh, it seemed to have lots lots of different meanings. It seemed to sum up. Um, a nice approach to, to food and, and cooking and being together as people. Uh, there is quite a movement towards um, getting out in, in the countryside and uh, going for going foraging, as it were, for, for wild food. But that was not necessarily the the, the meaning of, of the the title. It was really uh, more so about getting back to the source, trying to find out you know where some of the ingredients your eating come from and uh, sharing food together, you know, around the table as, as we all as we all do. But probably a, a, a bit too uh, little. We should we should uh, all be doing it a bit more. So yeah, it, it uh, represents quite a few different things, yeah. and uh, it's a one it's a one liner. Come, uh-huh. you know, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, I well let's get let's get back to the foraging movement you mentioned um, because you also. Uh, right in your introduction, you you actually say, I I implore you to have a go at gathering a little of your food for free straight from the hedgerow or the seashore. A simple walk with a basket in hand may well turn out to be a productive adventure, giving you the basis for a satisfying supper. So, um, you know, foraging is, um, is a movement right now, or it's uh, getting more popularity, and actually worldwide, sure. but... Um, how, you know, you write, you also write in the introduction, you recall, um, finding mushrooms as a child and cooking them. And you said it was amazing that they were edible and they tasted great. They weren't poisonous. You guys didn't die. But, um, you, you always remember that whenever you eat mushrooms now. So do you have any tips, like any practical sort of how to's for getting out there and, um, maybe grabbing something from the seashore? I was in, I was in, I don't know. I was trying to wrap my head around what what I would grab along the seashore or elsewhere. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, as you know, the, the seashore is a is an incredible place to find wild food. You know, not only are there a, a huge variety of seaweeds that are not only ed- edible but but really quite delicious, um, but there's also um, lots of different varieties of wild sea greens. Um, and shoreline plants that, that can be eaten as well. I mean, the, the, the key is to, to know how to identify them. And um, yeah. I'm, no, I'm no kind of scientist, but, uh, you know, I, 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 can, I can identify the, the, key, uh, the key ingredients that I like to cook with. And, um, you know, uh, some, some, some of the seaweeds, are, are very very good and uh, not only very very tasty but nutritionally you know they're they're, they're incredibly good for us and uh, it's a it's a hugely untapped source mm. of, of 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 free you know free food um, and uh, you know I, I, I would definitely encourage people to to pick up a pick up a handbook you know a guide to okay. and and get get out there and have a look. Um, Without question, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that seaweed is something that, you know, it's it's um, you know, if we if we're gonna catch fish or you know grab catch oysters or catch you know shellfish and living things from the ocean, why not grab some seaweed too? It seems like a little you know no brainer, but. I remember one time I did pick and forage seaweed <laughs> from the shore, and it freaked people out. They're like, "You're eating that." Anyway, um, 
but it's I think it's encouraging to hear chefs like you talk about this now. Um, and also, okay, let's go back to the mushrooms now because um, you're much older and wiser than um, your child self who picked some forged uh, wild mushrooms. Uh, do you have any, you know, would you just say sort of like keep to the guidebooks, find a guide to help you not choose poisonous mushrooms or <laughs> is there places you yeah, yeah. that are I better? Would, you know, I, I would suggest you... You go out mushroom hunting with, with, with caution, to be honest with you. You don't want to just pick anything and uh, fry it up and put it on toast. You need to really know what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I say, the best way to do that is, is to, to pick up a respectable field guide which you can reference and uh, make sure that you're, you're 100% comfortable that, that, that what you're picking is, is completely edible. Yeah. Um, and when you get it right, you know the uh, the results are are, are quite fabulous. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of the some of the best meals I've ever had are, have have been as simple as um, you know some some wild mushrooms fried in in a little bit of butter with some garlic and parsley, mm. piled on toast and mm. and eaten. You know it's it's incredibly rewarding because you haven't just gone to the shops and, and exchanged money for you know some ingredients you've. You spent some time outside. You've you've wandered around, and you've um, you've uh, you know you've actually kind of uh, been involved in, in getting those ingredients in a realist mm-hmm. sense, and that is, is very rewarding when mm-hmm. you come when you come home and and you eat them far more so than going to the supermarket. And that's the kind of message that runs throughout the book: is is maybe if you get the chance every so often, you should try going back to the source and picking up some ingredients, whether that's in the wild or a farm gate sale or, like this morning, a, a really fantastic farmer's market, because mm-hmm. it always brings you that much closer to the to the source of uh, what you're actually putting in your mouth, basically. And I would imagine that having to read up on mushrooms to, to be able to identify the right one would give you a deeper appreciation and just knowledge and sort of a more intimacy with with your ingredients, um, through that, um, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. You um, any anything like that where you're where you're learning um, about your the landscape and, and uh, nature in general can't be a bad thing, mm-hmm. really. It um, sounds so good. We, all, we, we can all do with uh, with knowing a bit more about it and, and, and possibly showing it a bit more respect, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, mushrooms are expensive. So that's one thing I'm, I'm going to try to uh, get inspired into to looking for. <laughs> um, I, I did have a foraging yes. sort of. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I had a foraging guide who who once said, um, perhaps very helpfully, you know, just eat a little bit of something at first. Don't gorge and then see if you're OK. <laughs> and, then, and then go forward. So I, I think that might be a good tip to. To take in, a, um, yeah, sound, sound advice. I would say. <laughs> so um, you, okay, so you might hate this, but you, <laughs> you are sort of a chef who is very on trend, and you are very of the moment. You're widely acclaimed, widely celebrated. In fact, um, Diana Henry, um, venerable food writer, cookbook author, who was actually on the show a few months ago, um, she wrote that uh, you and and uh, your style of cooking through this book is the perfect expression of something food writers have been trying to define for the past three decades, modern British cooking. 
So um, what would you say that is, <laughs> if you could put it in a nutshell? What is modern British cooking? Uh, I think it means something to something different to everyone, really. But uh, it, I suppose, it's a simple approach to uh, to cookery. It's a, mm-hmm. it's displaying a an understanding of, of um, ingredients, uh, where they come from, how they've been produced, and uh, to some extent, you know, the the ethical story behind them mm-hmm. and uh, and how that plays out you know in the dish and uh, the environment in which it's served really uh, I would I would say that uh, modern British cooking is is coming from a kind of educated platform yeah. when it comes to to what what one chooses to cook uh, mm-hmm. and what one chooses not to. Um, my food uh, very much relies on maybe three or four uh, seasonal ingredients. Yeah. Uh, it's not complicated. It's not in any way kind of molecular gastronomy yeah. by any stretch. You know, <laughs> it is really um, pared back and, 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 and fairly quick cooking. Mm-hmm. Um that that uh, you know it, it, its emphasis is on is on the uh, flavour and, yeah. and and the textures and 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 the enjoyment of, of the meal as opposed to um, you know the the, the kind of fluff that, that surrounds a, a lot of food. Fluff and um, foam. <laughs> I. I think that, you know, it's really important to point out that your book, and I'm usually sort of hesitant or, um, you know, about chef cookbooks and, uh, you know, because a lot of these things are not terribly easy for a home cook to produce. But your book is totally op- the opposite of that. It's um, It really is like three or four ingredients per recipe and no crazy techniques, no weird additions like uh I don't know, some chemical like stabilizers or something like that, which you might see in, you know, a chef cookbook. Um and it's um, sure. yeah. So it's it's definitely not your average uh, celebrity chef cookbook. It's so simple. Um, no. Yeah, I think um, that's important. You know, because people, don't, you know, if they pick up a cookbook, they want it to be easy to follow. They want it to be. Uh, you know, they don't want it. it they want, want to be, be complicated. Yeah. They want to be fun and uh, achievable mm-hmm. and. Uh, the recipes want to be, you know, doable. I, mm-hmm. I was really lucky that every recipe has a, a lovely photograph with it, which I think helps the reader a lot uh, to see what they're what they're aiming at and uh, are going well, to that's cook. That's a good point. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, as far as, as as cookbooks go, you know, it's it, it, it's I'm pretty happy with it. It's, yeah. What we did was break the we broke the uh, chapters up into food producing landscapes as opposed to a more kind of standard format uh, starters, mains, desserts. So each food producing landscape gives you a, a set of ingredients which go on to be uh, to inform the recipes, as it were. 
And uh, there you got these. Uh, we had this lovely opportunity to illustrate these landscapes uh, mm. very beautifully with with uh, Andrew Montgomery, who, who, who's the photographer so, okay. that I've, I've been working with for a few years now. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a nice book to look at. It uh, definitely is. So if, if you're uh, even if you bought it for that reason. <laughs> I mean, and just to give um, you know listeners a taste of it, uh, the the chapter about seashore. Um, we were just talking about forage stuff, but, uh, you know, like a typical recipe, I'm looking at the samphire and shrimp with butter and mace. So it's just whole shrimps head on. Looks like it's just sautéed with um, these samphire, which are also called sea beans here sometimes. Anyway, it's a sea okay, vegetable. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's a sea vegetable. It kind of almost looks like a succulent. Um, and they're just sort of, you know thrown together with some red pepper flakes, a little bit of squeeze of lemon, um, butter. It's just so simple, but it's uh, it's very exciting. And yeah. And you know, there's like special ingredients. Yeah, I mean, that's every... a kind of two, mm-hmm. two or three minute dish, really. Yeah. Very, very quick to, to put together. Yeah, nothing is too long. Um, let's talk a little bit more um, about these recipes and um, your cooking philosophy after a quick little commercial interlude. We'll be right back. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. When you mill whole grains, you get all three parts, the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. The bran, or the roughage, makes up about 14% of the whole grain. It's the outer skin of the edible kernel. It contains large amounts of B vitamins, some protein, trace minerals, phytochemicals, but most importantly, dietary fiber. The germ is only about 2.5% of the kernel. It's actually the sprouting section of the seed, what's going to grow into a plant. It's usually separated during milling process because it contains most of the fat and therefore has a shorter shelf life. The endosperm is the main energy storage unit of the seed. That's where the growing plant gets its energy before it can start photosynthesizing and making its own. It makes up a huge portion of the grain, about 83%, and it's the main source that's used for white flour. When you make white flour, you get rid of the germ and the bran and just have the white endosperm left. It contains almost all the carbohydrates. It also contains protein and iron and some of the other B vitamins as well. It's kind of what you classically think of when you're thinking of flour. So all that's there when you're milling with whole grains, but when you mill with whole grains, you also get the bran, which is the kind of roughage and gives that, that's what gives that that kind of color to it. Also gives you extra fiber that uh, helps you to be regular. And you also get the germ, which adds the fat and the flavor, which we all like from whole grains. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. All right, we're back on Eat Your Words, and I'm thrilled to be chatting with Gil Miller. He is the head chef of River Cottage. And Gil, tell us a little bit about, you know, for folks who haven't seen the cooking shows, and um, it's also a culinary series of uh, classes, right, River Cottage? Um, what's going on with, uh, what's going on in the world of yeah. River Cottage right now? Well, we are uh, based in the southwest of England. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a 65-acre cookery school and farm, and um, we run all sorts of food-related events 
uh, down at the farm. Would Everything you... from from kind of beekeeping to vegetable gardening to yeah. butchery to smoking and curing, right through to kind of advanced cookery courses. Um, it was set up by uh, a guy called Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, who's a, mm-hmm. a journalist and food writer and campaigner for Real Food. And I've been working with with the company for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. It's um, the most amazing place to come and, uh, and learn about uh, good food and cooking. And um, I would urge you, you know, any of your listeners, if you're in the uh, in the area in, yeah. in the UK, to come and have a look. Oh gosh, um, I would love or at to. least check out the website. Mm-hmm. Rivercottage.com. Rivercottage.net. Dot net. Okay. Uh, it, there's loads of information about what we're doing on yeah. there, and uh, a whole list of, of, of the courses and some of our uh, more recent campaigns and, and projects that we're working on. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the most beautiful place just down in, in, in the county of Devon in England. Devon. It's so interesting. It's so neat. I don't know why we don't have something like that here. Do you see any? things like that here in the States. Um, it sounds a little like Stone Barns, um, but uh, with a restaurant. Where <laughs> uh, they have a restaurant, Blue Hill at Stone Barns. Um, they have many courses. Um, yeah, do you see yeah. any equivalents elsewhere? Because it's such a unique um, program, series, everything. Uh, yeah, institute. I mean, to be honest with you, I, 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 haven't, I, yeah. I haven't seen anything quite like that over here, um, but I, I'm, I'm not that... Um, knowledgeable about exactly what sort of uh, it is cookery really schools and so forth you have yeah. going on out here. Um, <laughs> but yes, you're quite right. There, 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 there's a similarity between what Dan Barber's doing over here and, and what we're trying to do down at River Cottage. I know that Hugh Fernie Whittingstall, who I work with, is, is well known to Dan and actually Dan's over in London at the moment doing oh. a project called Wasted. Oh, yes. Which is a... Mm-hmm. Um, Food a pop up, waste. a mm-hmm. pop up on on top of Selfridges, so uh, cool. which I might be uh, involved with later on in in, in a month. So, uh, yeah, a lot of lot of respect for for what he's doing. And in you know, particular. and and you can see that activism really plays into a lot of your education and special events and programming. Um, in both, I, I think it sounds like you guys both are are very heavily involved with your community and um, supporting the the farms in the neighborhood and and educating about them so it's it's a really unique institute yeah. and um i i just think that uh it's it's exciting to see what's going on around the world um in different different parts and uh i don't know maybe we'll see something some more projects like that over here um do you have any plans to do any special events in the states for for river cottage like i don't know pop-ups or what have you um currently there's nothing in the calendar but mm-hmm. we it would be fantastic if we got the opportunity you know mm-hmm. uh, we've got uh, we're only at the beginning of the year really so we've got um you know we've got we've got some time to make some just make wondering some things happen. yeah and cool. uh, it would it would be, it'd be a pleasure it would be a pleasure to get over here again and uh and set up some some projects that people could be involved with. Hey, we'd love to support that at Heritage uh, Radio. So how did you get involved as a chef? Um, How did you get involved in River Cottage? And I know that you came into uh, cooking um, 
a bit later. It wasn't something that you were always, you know, aspiring to do. Is that right? From a from a young age or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is true. That is true. I, I had worked in uh, a few pubs when I was a when I was a youngster, just mm-hmm. washing up and things. And I did find the the whole atmosphere quite intriguing, but. I was never uh, planning to be a, a chef. It it really just happened out out of necessity. Really, uh, when I was when I was just eighteen, uh-huh. we, uh, my yeah. wife and I um, had our first. Uh, well, she's now my wife. Had our first child, and uh, I I just fell into the kitchen because I needed the money. To be, uh-huh. to be perfectly honest, um, and it didn't take long before I realised that I actually quite enjoyed the cooking and uh, people were saying to me that what I was what I was producing was quite tasty so uh, that kind of inspired me to to think a bit more about it and uh, I I started to read about food and cooking and um, yeah it turned into a, a real passion which I uh, I've continued and uh, it's got me to where I am today but obviously my my uh, my plan was never to be a chef I was I was studying the arts and photography, uh-huh. and um, a- I suppose being a, being a cook is quite artistic in in many respects. So I, I suppose it follows a, a similar theme. Yeah, that's wild. But, uh, yes, it kind of. It, I, it, I, I have no uh, formal training as such. Oh wow! It's, it's all stuff I've picked up on the on the job. On the job. Um, I think the, the the great thing about being a chef is that you get to work with lots and lots of people, and particularly. Where I've been at River Cottage, there you're constantly exposed to all sorts of experts and authorities on food and food production and cookery, and you get to work with these people on a daily basis. Uh, tutors that come and teach various courses at the school, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a privilege really because you do learn a huge amount about not only cooking but everything that comes producing the that food in raising the food and 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 everything yeah the principles and ethics yeah. behind uh you know the food we eat really and that's so cool because you know as a restaurant diner or something you know watching a, a typical cooking show you don't really get that but when you have to do the sourcing um and you know working choosing producers to work with and tasting this and that you know, you're forced to, to consider and you have a, a greater depth of knowledge um, to the production of these foods. So it's really great that you guys share that and talk about that as an integral part rather than just sort of saying an apple is an apple, um, you know, ingredient is an ingredient. So it's it's cool to share that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so well, do you have... absolutely. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any like food um, or cooking mentors? Uh, you were mentioning, you know, so many inspiring folks that um, you've gotten to work with. Is there anyone who stands out, or a few idols? <laughs> um, uh, there's no one that stands out more than more than another person. To really? be honest with you, I've, I've, I, as I said, I've been lucky to work with lots of talented chefs, lots of interesting. Uh, people with, with with fantastic views and ideas but uh, yeah there's, I mean I've tried to I've tried to take a little bit from it from everyone and and, and kind of establish mm. my own my own views and my own um, 
style in a way and, and define my own approach to to the food that I make. And mm-hmm. I think that's better in a way to 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 come up with your own set of philosophies when you're uh, working, you know, day to day on something you, you, you really care about. Right. There's a purity. Um, well, I just want to point out some of some of my favorite recipes that I've I've been looking at and salivating over in this book, but um, you have a really great way of preparing. Uh, you you have a really like sort of non intimidating way of preparing fish in a lot of these dishes. It's just like just really simple, yeah. like a roasted whole fish with chunks of celery root all around it and mushrooms. I mean, who can't yeah, do that? Yeah. It's almost like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's very rudimentary almost, but it looks wonderful. Um, you know, no crazy techniques. And then there's this um, another whole slashed fish roasted with some chorizo, rosemary, and purple broccolini. So, you know, special ingredients here and there, um, but really simple preparations. I think that it's just so exciting to see, and uh, I can't wait to cook some of these. Do you have a favorite dish from this book that you want to just kind of geek out about um gosh that's a that's a <laughs> really good question do i have a favorite uh there I, I really like them all to be honest i mean there's a there's a beautiful oyster dish in mm-hmm. the book and it's it's uh very simple you uh you shuck the the raw oysters mm-hmm. and you put them in a bowl and you pour over a very intense chicken stock uh, that's been seasoned with salt and and fresh chives, and mm-hmm. it poaches the oysters very lightly. But the combination of the the oyster, the salinity of the oyster, the richness with the with the you know with the um, the chicken broth is is really amazing. No, I really think that cool. would have to be, you know, one of, a, a good one. It would be up there, alongside maybe the, the the brownies. There's a there's a brownie recipe in there with okay. uh, it, they're made with rye flour, but you you also in, uh, use bay leaves and orange in the, in the mix, and uh, it's it's incredibly Whoa. fragrant and really really good. Uh, but yeah, no, there's a, there's a there's a whole host of, of very simple uh, yet delicious recipes that I'm really so fond simple. of. So simple and so surprising too. Who would have thought of? Um, I found this oysters in chicken broth with chives. As simple as it sounds, but it's just it's just exciting and different because who does that with oysters? So uh, very very cool. Um, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, you know sharing some time with us here at Heritage. We're really excited to. I'm really excited to share this cookbook with a lot of folks and I uh, hope everyone gets their hands on Gather by Gil Miller. And um, thanks so much for joining us, Gil. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and uh, I uh, hope to be back uh, again Excellent. sometime soon. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have a great rest of your U.S. tour. And thanks everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eager Words. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.